The Digested Read by John Crace Queen Elizabeth the Queen Mother by William Shawcross When Her Majesty the Queen did me the signal honour of inviting me to write the official biography of the Queen Mother, I prostrated myself before her, promising faithfully to describe the incandescent light that she had cast over the nation for more than a century. Get up, you fawning toady, the Queen replied graciously. Just ignore any controversy and you'll get your knighthood. Britain was at a crossroads in 1900, and it was from this uncertainty that Elizabeth Bowes Lyon, the country's blessed saviour, would lead us through times of turmoil to the sunny uplands of today. She was born into Scotland's most noble family, and much of her early life was blessedly free of any formal education, an attribute that would stand her in good stead in later life. The First World War cast a shadow over her life, as her letters to Bunty Smith Smythe Smithson reveal. It really is so ghastly that the aristocracy is getting slaughtered, she wrote in 1915. Yet, setting aside her own pain, she lifted the morale of the troops by sending them stanzas that her great friend, Ted Hughes, later believed were worthy of a poet laureate. Let's go and have fun, out in the sun, by killing the Hun, even though I will marry one later. Having done so much for the war effort, Elizabeth threw herself wholeheartedly into reviving the country's gaiety and peace by going to as many parties as possible. And her numinous beauty attracted many suitors, including Binky, Farquharson Chumley, and Tarka, von Otter. Her graceful refusal of these proposals caught the eye of Albert, Duke of York, and after turning him down three times in case a better offer from his elder brother came along, they were married in 1923. The arrival of the royal couple's first daughter, Elizabeth, did much to lessen the effects of the national strike as the proletariat responded to the Duchess's warmth. She never forgot her sense of duty, even when she had a nasty cough. Too much has been written about Wallace Simpson for me to linger er longer about this grasping American Arivist intent on destroying the divine sanctity of the monarchy. But official documents have led me to conclude that Elizabeth never treated her with anything other than the utmost respect. Having banished Edward and Wallace from the kingdom, Elizabeth recognised the monarchy needed modernisation, and in reducing the number of her personal retainers from 11,722 to 11,721, she won over the hearts of the nation. The pressure of maintaining the country's morale throughout the war took its toll, but she never flinched from her duty, taking time to smile at the servants when they turned up for work the next day, despite having been bombed. She maintained this sacrifice by devoting herself to rebuilding the country's cultural life once hostilities had ceased. A weedy man called Elliot came to dinner yesterday, 
she wrote to her great friend, Lady Doris Tweedsmuir, and recited some poem called The Desert. The death of King George was a bit of a shock, but her greatest sadness came in 1956 when her horse, Devon Locke, failed to win the Grand National. Never talk to me about that again, she said to her close friend, Bobberty Salisbury. Thereafter, she threw herself into the best part of 50 years of service to the country as head of the Aberdeen Angus Cattle Society. In a volume of a mere 1,000 pages, some omissions have to be made, and I find I have no space to dwell on her rejection of her mentally ill nieces, nor the divorces that shook the monarchy in the 1980s and 90s, nor on her financial profligacy, nor on her snobbery or casual racism. I have been assured, though, by her great friend Lady Edith Darcy Bottomley, that she was not an alcoholic, that Princess Diana adored her, and that on her death in 2002, a light went out, a light never to be rekindled. The Digested Read Digested. Can I have my knighthood now? <laughs>